Well, welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, transforming into a film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, well, he's a freelance film writer in disguise, as Will Ashen. What up? Will, I know you have a different uh, audio setup going on, um, so listeners, we apologize for it. It's a, it's a bit different, uh, but we're, we're, we're working out. We have a few, uh, few bugs to work out, don't we? Yeah, the setup is more than meets the eye. Uh, more than meets the ear, I guess. Mm. I don't. I don't yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, your uh, your criticisms, your analysis, and everything on Transformers: Rise of the Beast is going to be so phenomenal that the listeners are going to feel like they're just inside a soundproof room. Right. <laughs> All right. Transformers. Um. So, well, I did something for this movie that you might appreciate. I don't know. I re-listened to both both uh, episodes of the show where we covered Transformers movies. There have been seven of these so far and transformers last night which was very early on in, in cinemaholics days 2017 and you were not there i forgot that you weren't there i always forget yeah that was uh one of the first ones i missed i know that was in that weird cycle where uh robert yannis would be there on the show but i had something else going on i think that was the weekend of like my, my brother's wedding so i i know there was some something happening but i also remember being pretty vocal about like, I just don't want to do this movie. Like I know it's on the schedule. I know I don't want, like I, I have no interest in this. Uh, and it was one of the ones I think I was early on trying to veto, but then it just happened that the weekend you were planning to cover it was one I wasn't able to be on anyway. So the movie mm. gods were fortunate enough to <laughs> smile at me for that. They weren't as uh, forgiving this time. Cause I don't think there was anything else this weekend unless past lives was playing near me, which it is not. Right. So yeah, we would have talked about past lives otherwise. Right. Um, now on that, on that episode, it was me, Maverick Hines, of course, and CJ Mellon filled in. Uh, I think it was the first time we had CJ Mellon on and yeah, it, it was a, an interesting conversation. Uh, the last night we trashed the movie quite a bit. We, uh, we were pretty harsh. Uh, we, we all gave, I think we all gave the movie F's and then, a year later, a year and a half later, we talked about Bumblebee, and then that was that was you and me. That was a a John and Will episode, and that was also kind of a weird one because we were both sort of like, ah, man, the the critics like this movie a lot. The Rotten Tomato score was like in the nineties, I think it still is. Um, but you and I both were sort of like, ah, this this movie's like not that great. We we were kind of confused, and you even made the comment that uh, I think you were you were less harsh on transformers the last night than we were you were like oh, i wouldn't i wouldn't have been quite as uh, low on it as us uh do you do you stand by that uh do you do you think the transformers movies need to be reevaluated? like they they were being too harsh or being too mean no i don't think they need to be reevaluated. i just think you guys were coming into it from the perspective of this sucks we're tired of this all that stuff i think that's understandable but for me that fifth movie, as well as the fourth one, honestly, are just so manic in a way that they're clearly Michael Bay giving the luxury, I think, few of any studio directors have been given to like, they're just like, well, we just need a Transformers movie. We've made them. And he's like, I, this is the fourth or fifth one. Like, what, what else can I do? They're like, we don't care. Just do whatever you want. And that fourth one kind of verges on being offensive. Like, it has some really just weird like they kill off tj miller 
uh, like the comedic relief character. They uh, I saw that scene for the first time because to remind people, I, I Transformers: Age of the Extinction is the one that I never watched. I, right. I, never, I just skipped it entirely. There's a romantic subplot involving like Romeo and Juliet laws, and they like go out of their way to explain what Romeo and Juliet laws are. They're just like just some really bizarre, weird choices, and so. The fact that he was given a fifth one feels to me like Michael Bay is like really like, like I kind of just was like going out of my way to try and not get a job on the Transformers movies anymore. And you still made me uh, the director of this fifth film. So the fifth one is just like, screw it. Uh, King Arthur exists. They, they, he hung out with the Transformers. Anthony Hopkins is here. Academy Award winning actor. He's here. Uh, he's Harry Tubman. by Megatron. <laughs> right. Harry Tubman knew the Transformers. Why not? You know, it's just like there's so many bizarre choices in that movie, and it's, it's way too long. It's and it's plotting, and it it has no reason to exist. I think for me though, when, when I was saying that, and I could be totally wrong, I don't remember my exact headspace uh, at the time I was reviewing Bumblebee, but I think for me at this point in time, at least, I feel like that movie, especially having now seen Transformers: Rise of the Beast makes me more forgiving of the fact that Michael Bay was really allowed to just go wild and make a movie that is only a type of tired and also weirdly inspired sequel that a filmmaker like Michael Bay can make. That's a, I think that's a point where you and I probably disagree a bit, um, at least to some mild extent. But I, I do want to mention, it, it was interesting listening back on those reviews because I think that, again, last night was so early on when you and I were doing this week to week, Obviously, we, we had been doing podcasts before Cinemaholics back in like 2016, 2015. It, I'll just say, like, it's very cringy. Like, I, I genuinely was like listening to that episode and I'm like, man, is it is it safe to say that the Transformers episodes, like the episodes where we've talked about these movies, you can kind of see a little bit of like growth in how we talk about movies. It's a little bit weird, but I, I think that, yeah, just listening to me and Maverick and CJ just kind of like go ham on it. I, I feel like we have definitely improved in terms of like how we're able to talk about these movies and be a little bit, I don't want to say fair, but be a little bit less reactionary uh, to these movies, be a little bit less like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm not as prone to like Michael Bay bashing as I used to be. I think that that was like a point in time, especially where I really was like not open-minded when it came to Bay's filmography. I mean, and since then I've I still like really just do not like his style. It's I'm very, very firmly against movies like six underground and such, but, and an ambulance, I was nowhere near as nice to as you were, which I know you, you, you defend that movie. You, you were like, and a lot of people did, you know, ambulance kind of, it hit big with people, right? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm certainly no like Michael Bay defender in, in the broad sense. I just think maybe at this point in time, given how, much studio films are shifting to be more producer driven, less stylistic, very bland, very corporate in their decision making. There is something to be admired about Michael Bay, even though it's not a style that also like you, I'm particularly fond of. It is a style. Nevertheless, it's like undeniably his and anyone that's tried to emulate that has failed spectacularly. uh, And he's failed spectacularly in a number of ways. Um, But yeah, I mean, at least his last three films that you're mentioning, I, I think only Ambulance is the one that I would come up and be like, this is a pretty good film. Like, I think on its own merits, I think it, it works. But there is something to be said about both Six Underground and Transformers last night as far as being, like, entirely overblown in, in a very, you know, literal sense, in the sense that Michael Bay loves 
explosions. Uh, and there's just the fact that they're, they're movies that are undeniably things that he, because he was given $200 million or whatever, was able to make. And I think there's, I can appreciate that more than, than something like Rise of Beast, which has, I think, the same budget as uh, The Last Night, but is way less no, memorable. It's, it's lower. It's, 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 lower? A, it's a budget, yeah, quite substantially. So okay. this budget is between, reportedly, 195 to 200 million. And mm-hmm. the last night was 250 to 260 million. Oh, okay. At that point in time, is one of the most expensive movies right. made, like ever. Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah, I just, I, I, I just have to, I guess, kind of give Bay a little bit of uh, admiration just for the, the guts, though, that he has, I guess, for for what he does. It, it's not a craft that I love uh, entirely. It, it's, I think there are only maybe like one or two Michael Bay movies I, I really would uh, go to bat for. But uh, I, watching a movie like Rise of the Beast, which I'm not trying to overstep and, and review too early, but uh, it, it suffices to say, I, I feel like that movie leaves me wanting a lot of things, and one of those things happened to be Michael Bay's manic vision. Well, just to give the listeners a heads up, let's talk about Transformers Rise of the Beast, but I will say this, is, this may not be uh, a total bash fest uh, i mean i'll at least say at the outset that this movie has been doing definitely better with critics than some of the previous transformers movies with the exception of bumblebee bumblebee still continues to be the one that i think at least at the time people watched it bumblebee was a movie that while extremely derivative and i think a lot of people recognize that i think there was a lot of positive reaction to the way travis knight tra- uh, treated the transformer characters uh, did something with it that was a little bit more grounded and I don't know. I think I think that movie struck a chord with people. Even though you and I were a little bit like, yeah, hey, you know, it's still mediocre. Uh, we mm-hmm. were definitely the minority on that opinion, at least at the time. I don't know how people look at that movie these days. I um, think they're still favorable. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do be think surprised. Um, I mean, at least as far as Transformers movies go, I, I feel like that's still the one people are like. But Bumblebee was good in a way. Yeah. That, like, I think people still go bat for that 2007 Transformers in a way that I still feel like that's it's not very good. Like by transformer standards. Sure. Like, I mean, it's, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark compared to that fourth transformers movie. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it, any of these movies really, uh, rise above like, okay. or pretty good. But I think there is something to be said about, I think expectations when we saw Bumblebee, at least or when I saw Bumblebee were much higher than I think for a lot of critics where they, like oh god another transformers movie okay michael bay's not doing it but whatever it's a prequel about bumblebee whatever and i think they were pleasantly surprised in a way that like i went into bumblebee hearing all these fantastic reviews knowing travis knight like you said directed it and having loved kubo and the two strings i was like one of my favorite movies of 2016 and i was like oh okay and, and i really like taylor steinfeld as well uh i was like yeah i mean this this could be a really awesome movie and like you said the fact that i think it was just like fine like okay left me wanting more but uh i i think it's like it's fine like it's it's by no means a, a bad movie or anything it, but i i do think people are very very charitable on that film they are they are i think one of the main things we said that i stand by is that it, it's certainly a bit too too iron giant and and that was the thing i i struggled with finding an, an identity in that movie that really mm. stuck out um because it, it did just sort of feel like yeah, Travis Knight was sort of copying E.T.'s homework, as you said in your review. And uh, I think we both agree that Michael Bay, to his credit, is love him or hate him. He's an auteur. 
right? Um, now, he, I, I did look this up because while listening to that conversation, I was a little sad. I mean, Bumblebee came out five years ago, almost four and a half years ago. And he, Travis Knight hasn't come out with anything since uh, in terms of a film. And we were both saying, I was like, man, we hope this guy gets more work and everything. Uh, he, uh, he not only Kubo and Two Strings, but with Leica, he did the box rolls. He did Paranorman. Uh, the only, he was a producer on Missing Link a year later, but he's been uh, since then working on a film called Wildwood. Uh, that he's directing and writing. Um, it's based on a fantasy novel called the uh, the Wildwood Chronicles. Are are you aware of this project? Yeah, it's the next uh, Leica film, or at least one of the next Leica films, right? It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard a little bit about it. it. Sounds very promising. I think there's like one concept art floating around. Uh, obviously, it's a little hush hush outside of the voice cast and stuff. But uh, I'm definitely excited. I love Leica films. Same here. Same here. All right. So Transformers Rise of the Beasts. This is in theaters this past weekend. This again, uh, I didn't know this going into. Well, I didn't know this going into the movie because I edited your review. But before I edited your review, I didn't actually realize or maybe I didn't process or put it into my head that this was another prequel. It's more of a sequel to Bumblebee, though, than it is a Um, prequel to the first Transformers. You would disagree? uh, Not that I disagree about the prequel thing. Obviously, that's thing. But uh I don't know. If it, I mean, there's like one offhanded mention of Bumblebee, uh, you know, but I mean, it's a little vague as far as like, is this uh, a continuation of the like previous movies? Like are we watching Optimus become the Optimus that we know in the 2007 film where he, you know, f- f- I uh, think they're friends, fully rebooting uh, it. I mean, that's possible. I, that's what I said. Uh, I think in my review is that it's a little vague, like at least at this point. Yeah, I think they're, the they're leaving room is. for it. Yeah, this this movie takes place in the '90s, and they do they make certain decisions toward the end of this movie that strongly imply that they're kind of moving away from really what happened in the 2007 Transformers. But obviously, we can't speak to that uh, specifically because we don't want to spoil that for anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet. Uh, that said, uh, I I definitely want to point out that for me, it does feel like they took the Bumblebee sort of like template and it kind of merged it a bit with some of the previous transformers movies this is a more sort of standard transformers movies there are like more autobots it's definitely kind of following some of the track lines of the 2007 transformers where we have like human characters who are a little bit more along for the ride uh they have their own roles and so those human characters are anthony ramos uh, who you see in movies like in the heights uh, of course he was uh, one of the main characters in hamilton and we have dominique fishback who we've seen in um I think, uh, was it called Shivers? Uh, and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah was like one of her big ones. Um, and she's been, uh, I think she was in like a Netflix. Yeah. Point. Uh, what was the, uh, the Jamie Foxx one and with Dave Franco? Um, Project uh, Power. That's the that's, one I'm yes. thinking of. Yeah. 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 Um, not Shivers. Uh, I was thinking of Swarm, which that's is the, uh, a TV uh, Amazon yeah. show. Yeah. Yes. That Tom Glover uh, produced, wrote, did something yeah. for yeah. yeah, so I would say like Dominique Fishback and Anthony Ramos, two like pretty stellar actors, you know, who've done really good work so far in their career. I mean, I, I think in the Heights, while I was very disappointed by that movie, I thought Ramos was a really, really good leading man. Uh, I, I, looking back on that one, and of course his work in Hamilton is pretty great. Uh, so they kind of anchor the movie here as the human characters, and like we said, this takes place in 1994. I liked how in your review you pointed out that if you didn't know that this took place in the 90s, don't worry, you will find out quick um, they they use plenty of sort of uh 
hey, it's the 90s. Did you know yes. it's the 90s? It's the same kind of thing they did in Bumblebee, where it was sort of like, it's the 80s. Did you know it's the 80s? Like, hey, I got to get out of here. I got to go watch a Michael Jackson video. Like, that's kind of mm. the energy we're dealing with. But in this case, it's like, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm wearing a Power Ranger shirt. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to this this soundtrack of N- NWA, you know, like right. that I've been listening to every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and the signifiers for the 90s are a little odd too like uh i mean i made a point to reference it both in my letterbox review and my written review but i, I do find finally it's have like a one second shot of oj simpson in here just to like <laughs> emphasize that like those trials are happening yeah, uh yeah. yeah but like to make you think about oj and then also like this one is more understandable but also kind of odd like they focus a lot on the two towers and like recreating them and stuff and yeah i, don't know. I mean that was yeah. very strange. I, right. I definitely was like, yeah, especially because there's a moment where there's like big like smoke clouds like over it. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, okay. All right. right. I'll just say that when I, I didn't know until I got in the theater, my friend Mike Sir, friend of the podcast, who saw the movie with me, told me that this was a 90s prequel. <laughs> but I'll say like when I got out of my car and went to the theater, I wasn't thinking that I was going to be reminded of the death of Anne Nicole Smith in 9-11 watching this film <laughs> you know and the funny thing about that is i do wonder how many people would be like watching this movie who would like see the twin towers and like they're probably aware of 9-11 but you never know like there might be people watching this who are like what city is that you know what i mean you're just kind of like wait what what are those buildings um at this point it's been so long right it's been 22 years that i think uh we, we are dealing with like a generation that has very little uh you know cultural memory of the the twin towers but anyway we don't we don't have to talk about that uh, we can talk about this transformers movie now um this one is not directed by michael bay it is directed uh, by stephen capel jr and, i made a mistake uh, uh nicole brown simpson is what i meant to say my bad i was gonna say i was like i don't remember anna nicole smith being mentioned right. but i didn't my apologies you. my apologies <laughs> no worries uh stephen capel jr he was the director of creed 2 uh which was uh I, you know i thought it was like a decent it's like the it's sandwiched in between i think two much better films yeah uh, it's definitely the weakest, I think, of the three, but very serviceable, solid sequel. Like I, I rewatched it earlier this year. It, it's it still works in my opinion. Like it's a sure. solid sequel, yeah. And I can see why they would hire someone like him uh, to come in and do kind of a similar thing for the Transformers franchise. Now, uh, I didn't really specify this earlier, but where the Transformers franchise is at is kind of a weird place because Bumblebee did well with critics. Uh, it, it made money. Uh, it wasn't a, a big flop. It wasn't as big of a disaster as transformers last night but uh i mean one thing that i forgot until i re-listened to the conversation that maverick and cj and had and i had about last night is around this time paramount really was like trying to build out a whole cinematic universe really trying to compete with marvel a little bit more there were reports yeah. that michael bay had a lot of scripts um in terms of like places that he could spin off the transformer stuff and we had remarked on how it seemed like he had taken those scripts and had just mashed them into his own movie so like the harriet tubman stuff like you mentioned the king arthur stuff it seemed like they were just sort of like consolidating instead of going in that direction for reasons that i don't think we'll ever know but rise of the beast does feel like one of those scripts that's kind of like okay we'll do this you know, kind of movie coming up. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, why they waited so long uh, to to do this because, I mean, they have been talking about it doing a movie like this since 2018. Um, but I think that it, it just seems like they wanted to make changes uh, that Travis Knight wasn't going to come back. He was going to go back to Leica. Um, it looked like John Cena might come back and it looked like they might do something 
a little bit more like Bumblebee 2, not Transformers prequel 1, if that makes sense. And uh, they were working on a couple of different Transformers films in 2020. It just, it seems to me like they were just indecisive. They had like a couple of different scripts. They were working on it, like, and then COVID happened. And I think it just sort of made the whole thing a little bit just tricky to balance. Like, where should this franchise go? I think that Paramount just had a hard time deciding, like, do we want to go down the Beast Wars uh, mm. direction, which is what they ultimately decided to do. Now, Beast Wars, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Beast Wars, the cartoon. Now, people who watched uh, Transformers in the 80s, like the original cartoon, they tend to be older than you and me. They tend to be more like Gen X or the older millennials. Uh, for sure, though, I was one of those kids that grew up mainly on Beast Wars, Beast Machines. That, to me, was Transformers growing up. Those were the toys that I wanted and I had. I didn't really have the Transformers cars or anything. I had, you know, the the Maximals, right? Uh, the Predacons and all of that. And they, we had the, the, you could like combine the different toys, like the, the bird, with the, you know, the grill and everything. So the point where I thought they might do that in this movie, and I was like, ooh, if they do that, they might they might, uh, you know, warm this cold steel heart. Uh, but you know, bit of a spoiler alert. They, they do not do that. Uh, so I, but I think that's a spoiler you should know. So you don't go in and you get disappointed, right? Um, maybe, maybe later, maybe they'll do it later. But anyway, uh, for this movie, it takes place in 1994 and we kind of have just like your standard transformer story. There is a key, it's called a trans warp key. And, uh, one of the humans, Dominique Fishback's character, she's a museum, a lab tech assistant sort of and she gets a hold of this key by accident and it is the key to essentially this like big bad evil transformer machine called unicron it would allow it to come to earth and and all places in the galaxy and, and destroy all these places optimus prime bumblebee and a few other transformer autobots they want the key because they could use that to go home so basically this key is sort of like a it just kind of just allows you to teleport anywhere in the galaxy. It's pretty, pretty awesome if you are a character in these movies. And Anthony Ramos, uh, he is this kind of like down and out thief, sort of. He's a, an army veteran, but he can't land a job. His brother is always sick. And he sees this this whole opportunity. This, uh, he, he comes into contact with a Porsche Autobot named Mirage, who's voiced by Pete Davidson. And uh, together they kind of like form a little bit of a friendship. And I think Ramos kind of sees an opportunity to save the world, maybe be, be something more, right? Uh, you know, find a way to not just save his brother, but uh, be like a hero, essentially, uh, in a way that the military did not do for him. Now, we have this, from there, we kind of just have this, like, world-spanning plot, although it's a bit of a focused movie. We're not in a ton of different locations. We're mainly in New York, and then in, we're in South America for a good chunk of the film. We have not just the standard Autobots, but we also have beast creatures who've been on Earth for a long time. And Rise of the Beasts is uh, also a shorter movie uh, than some of the other Transformers movies. It's so long, it's about two hours and seven minutes. But uh, I do think that critics are responding to this one a bit more favorably, but certainly not as favorably as Bumblebee. So we'll start with you, Will. Uh, what did you think of Transformers Rise of the Beasts? I already know what you think, so I'm, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can't say I was too taken by it. I can see why critics are responding to it more. I can see why audiences are a little bit more taken by it. As you were kind of alluding to it, it is sort of a soft reboot, uh, for the franchise. It's kind of trying to ear go back to the earmarks of the 2007 film. They get a little bit more simplistic, kind of establishing more of the like 
camaraderie between humans and Transformers uh, that was seen like with Shia LaBeouf's character and Optimus Prime, as well as like his kind of funny romance with uh, Megan Fox character. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as I was kind of suggesting before, it just kind of feels very studio oriented. It doesn't really feel like there's a lot of organic decision making being made here. It feels very calculated. The script is very kind of clunky in its presentation, even down to the point where some character decisions and motivations don't make a ton of sense because they feel like they're kind of following the expected beats of plot rather than like what would make sense for these characters at certain points in time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of felt very uh, machine-like, weirdly, and uh, that's not really meant to be a pun based on these Transformers, but rather just that, like, it, it just feels very ordained in a particular way. Like, it's meant to kind of hit these certain beats, play these certain tunes, and uh, do what, I guess, people would expect for this movie, maybe what they would want, but also, at the same time, not really feel that exciting. It, it, it produced a fairly boring movie, for me, because it just feels like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to introduce this character. Well, he's going to be meeting this person. Eventually, they're going to meet with the Transformers. They're going to go to Peru, etc., etc., etc. And, yeah, it, it doesn't really... I mean, the action beats are okay. I, I, I do really enjoy Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. I think they try to do the best they can with this uh, film. And I think Dominique Fishback actually gets a little bit more to do here. Like It feels like she gets a little bit more room to have a personality with her performance and with her character. Uh, and you could, I guess, say the same about Pete Davidson and, and his voice performance. But, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't excite me. I'm not much of a Transformers fan to begin with, so maybe that's part of it. But it just doesn't make me really engaged to feel like what this new quote-unquote cinematic universe is for the Transformers. It just feels kind of tired and, and boring to me. So... Yeah, it left me just with a big old shrug. I do want to talk about, uh, you know, once we get through this, I, I do want to talk about some of that cinematic universe stuff. But of course, that will require us to open it up for some spoiler talk. Uh, so we can do that a little bit later. I think, you know, what's interesting about this movie, because I, I definitely enjoyed it more than you did. I, I definitely walked away from it being like, you know what? That wasn't bad. And in fact, compared to a lot of the other Transformers movies, I think that it at least on paper and in execution to uh, a lot of extent, I, I do think it's a more effective and better constructed movie than even the first three Transformers movies. But I tend to still go to bat for that first Transformers movie because even though it's such a messy kind of garish vehicle, uh, and I think the second one is pretty terrible. I think the second movie is just indulgent garbage, uh, mainly sure. because it, it was made during the writer strike. And right. I mean, it's, yeah, Michael Bay has even said like we, they shot it without uh, and in many key places of the movie without even a script, and you can mm -hmm. tell. Um, Not to mention, it's just it's also fairly racist, <laughs> extremely so. Right. And, and, and even if you can get past all of that, I, I just think that like it is a, a hard movie to watch. There's like only one scene in Revenge of the Fallen that I think actually has like some sense of like filmmaking behind it. Like it felt like Michael Bay kind of you know I don't even want to say cared, but actually had like he built the scene around like narrative and it you don't really have that in any other part of the movie and yet i do think the first transformers movie and the third one do have some really good moments i think that the third movie 
that last act was just such a like it, it makes me wish they had just ended the transformers movies on that because i think they would have ended it on a high note i think that entire scene in chicago uh seeing it on the big screen was just such a it was an experience and it, i think it, it encaps- encapsulates like why these movies have been successful even though critics have constantly turned their noses at these movies and i think it's because it's not just like the spielberg stuff i think the spielberg stuff is obviously like especially in that first movie it's a big reason why people sit there and watch the entire movie from start to finish and aren't super bored. But I do think that it's like one of the first blockbusters we got that really encapsulates what Scorsese now calls like the Marvel movies, you know, theme park movies. It, it genuinely like when you watch those Transformers movies and this one too, you feel like you're at Universal Studios. You feel like you're on a roller coaster and like there's some kind, there is a narrative, but it's like some kind of like computer screen person who's just like, thanks, thanks for your help, guys. Couldn't have done it without you. And I'm in the audience and I'm like, I didn't do anything, you know, but that's kind of how it feels like watching these movies. Like, and I think that that first Transformers movie, especially, what I do like about it, even though it, it is so incoherent and it's incoherent and it's so hard to follow like what the action is. I, there is something to be said about how it was trying to be Jurassic Park. You know, Jurassic Park just celebrated its 30th anniversary uh, and uh, just yesterday as we record this. And that was a movie that also sort of like had these big dangerous things happening in the background while you watch the movie from the character's perspective. And that was something that was effective in the first Transformers movie. A lot of that is like you can't really tell what's going on, but you kind of feel the sort of like the fear. Uh, that the characters are feeling because they can't tell what's going on. And uh, I I do think that that first Transformers movie is pretty functional in that way. Rise of the Beast, though, you know what's interesting about it? Because I think we've moved so far away from the Transformers themselves being a a big T-Rex kind of character with very thin characterization. In this movie, the Transformers are uh, just... I think that they have a bit more faith that the audience cares about Optimus Prime as a character, for example, that these characters can have their own arcs. And so the result of that is the actual, like the action scenes aren't just sort of like fungled messes where you can't really see what's going on on purpose, but instead we kind of just have like a Saturday morning cartoon in live action on the big screen where you are supposed to be like in the shoes of Optimus Prime, not in the shoes of Dominique Fishback, who's just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, right? Instead, you're sort of like, all right, we're going to fight Scourge and, you know, it's going to be tough. And I think I respond better to that. I can see why you wouldn't because, uh, you know, you've, you've said you're not a, as big of a Transformers fan and I think you just don't find the characters as engaging, which I would understand, like you would be bored watching these characters clash, right? Because it's like, who cares? For me, I kind of care because... I think one of the best choices they make with this movie is that they just actually give Optimus Prime some kind of character growth. He kind of sucks in this movie. He's a bit of a jerk. He's a bit mean. He's not a fun character to follow for a lot of it, but you kind of understand why and you're kind of given like specific reasons for what he wants that makes sense. And I don't know. I, I think that what you said, it's true. I mean, this thing was kind of written by committee. It feels lots of screenwriters. I don't think that there is that strong vision or anything. And I, I totally agree with that. But I think maybe the reason it works for me and some others is that it doesn't feel for that reason, like a big movie, it sort of feels like an episode of a big TV show. And if, approaching it on that level, I think that's why I walked away from it being like, oh, that's a fun episode of Transformers. And it's probably going to stick out for me better than some of the other Transformers movies have. We'll see. I mean, I, I genuinely... To your credit, I remember the first and third Transformers movies better than Bumblebee. I 
barely remember what happened in Bumblebee. When we were talking about it, we were talking about certain things and I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Like I forgot John Cena was in it. I forgot that it, you know, took place in Santa Cruz. It, it just sort of like escaped my mind, but uh, maybe it, it also has something to do with like, we watched those early Transformers movies at a different time in our lives where we were probably more impressionable and not watching as many movies. At least I wasn't. Um, but those movies, I think I remember a lot more of, um, and I do think part of that could be because they broke through cultural noise. And I, I don't think this movie rise of the beast is going to stick out for me uh, you know, that much. I'll probably forget a lot of it as well. Um, but I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't hate the direction that they're trying to go in. I, I think that's fine for if we're going to get more Transformers movies and they're kind of like this, uh, I, I wouldn't expect you to be a fan, but you know, I think it could be worse. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree as far as the uh, cartoon element of it in the sense that not that it's like stylistically cartoonish, but uh, it does feel like more of the ensemble that you're talking about, like where Transformers are actually interacting with Transformers uh, as opposed to just kind of like the, the clip lines that we got in the Michael Bay movie where it's just like, we need to protect the humans <laughs> and stuff like that uh, and all That's that. That's a pretty but, good impression. I like that. Thank you. Autobots, uh, we need to get the key. <laughs> stand down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Megatron. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, there is something to be said, yeah, about the fact that they, they have more of the freedom, whether it is because this is the seventh Transformers movie or because technology has advanced as so or whatever, but it does allow a character like uh, uh, Mirage or um, Optimus Prime to be a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, and I think that is a credit to Bumblebee. I mean, I think the fact that people, I think, responded to that, that Bumblebee was actually more of a character in that as opposed to kind of like a walking punchline like he is exactly. in the, uh, yeah. the Michael Bay movies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, nevertheless, I, I still think that this movie doesn't really have that kind of uh, enthusiasm, I think, that the cartoon had. Like, I know that those were just made to sell toys and all that, but there is this kind of goofy lore to it. There is these it's a bit type- campy. The, yeah, the yeah. cartoons and yeah this movie is definitely more self-serious for the most right. part yeah I, I mean there's something to be said about like how kind of over the top and goofy those uh cartoons were granted my uh awareness and experience with them is fairly limited as you uh keep mentioning for some reason but uh but nevertheless uh i do think like you said outside of maybe like that final battle scene like i, I wasn't really thinking of like the, the the goofiness and the silliness of the cartoons. I was thinking just kind of more like, yeah, like in theory, this is kind of following the 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 blueprint of those cartoons in a, in a very broad sense. And yeah, it's probably more faithful to them than the Michael Bay movies were for a number of reasons. But nevertheless, it, it doesn't really. I don't know. It, it, it's hard for me to watch this and feel really inspired by the the choices being made because they feel like choices. They don't feel like like I said, like Michael Bay, love or hate them. He is making, uh, you know, things that feel very innately his. And these just kind of feel like people at Paramount were just all getting together in a boardroom, executive style, and just kind of like, we should do this. And it would be nice if we did this. And and corporate interests say we should make sure we include this. And all these different things just, it, it kind of sucks the juice out of it. Like that pulp or cartoonish fun that you're talking about just feels so absent here because nothing feels super organic 
It, it seems like because Bay is still a producer on this, and I, I don't know if this is accurate to say, but it seems like he's sort of the Kevin Feige of these movies, but not really. I mean, I don't think the Transformers movies have that sort of like, all right, we're going to give it to different directors and screenwriters, but we have somebody who's really guiding the process. I think that's one of the main reasons the Avengers movies work as well as they do uh, for a lot of people, because... Yeah, you had the Russo brothers, but we've kind of seen since the like Avengers Endgame that if you give the Russo brothers their own stuff, they, they just they aren't very good. Um, it seems like like Avengers Endgame and Infinity War in particular uh, seem to be because of Kevin Feige and uh, really his influence and how he shepherded those movies. And it seems like Transformers kind of kind of kind of lacks that still. Like they, they don't have that kind of like sort of uh, master planner. Uh, behind the scenes as far as we can see uh, i do want to call out the the voice talent here uh you know so we have peter cullen he always voices optimus prime since the 80s and you know i i love the way he voices the character you always got to have him coming back uh, we have a few new people though we have ron perlman uh voicing optimus primal the uh sort of the guy the maximal who transforms into a gorilla you have peter dinklage voices the main villain scourge and michelle yo uh voices air razor the the sort of like falcon transformer uh pete davidson as we mentioned who uh you know you pointed on your review that you thought that he did a you know he was one of the characters you liked a bit more and uh, i think the thing i liked about mirage in general was that like there was more to his character than just like, I'm a transformer who can shoot stuff and be, you know, attack people, whatever. I kind of like that. He like had other sort of like gimmicks. Like he could, you know, his name's Mirage. He could like sort of like make little copies of himself and he was a bit more of a yeah. trickster. And yeah, yeah. It, it was um, kind of like a fun little, a little niche role for him. I was going to say, I mean, I think what you're alluding to is I, I think the best scene in this movie uh, is fairly early on. There's like a car chase with the police where you actually kind of see like his powers being utilized and like, like grounded, but also fun and in sort of inventive way. And that was like the only real action scene or any scene in this movie, to be honest, where I really kind of felt like, Oh, this is exciting. This is interesting. It's like fun. And you get to know the characters that kind of developing a bond, but they're also like in this kind of high action stakes scene. And yeah, I mean, if the movie was on that level throughout, I think I'd be more forgiving of it, but that just kind of felt like a flash in the pan for me. I like that scene. It was good. Um, but I, th- I I would say that uh, there is a, a moment where Bumblebee is out of action for a big part of this movie. And uh, at one point, he gets his own like action scene to LL Cool J. <laughs> and I, I'll admit, as dumb as that scene was, I thought it was really fun. And I, I really genuinely seeing Bumblebee like kind of like get into the action the way he does in that scene was I, I had fun. I had fun. Uh, I had fun doing plenty of this movie, quite honestly. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's doing pretty well uh, so far. It's made $170 million worldwide in its opening weekend. And yeah, it's looking like it's going to do a little bit better than I predicted. I, I had a feeling that people were just like, nah, they weren't going to go for it. And I just, I just didn't sort of see this doing well or performing well in light of so many other movies competing with it. But uh, I, don't, I, I still don't think it'll do amazing or anything, but it, it's looking like it'll at least make its budget back and then some. So we'll probably get more Transformers movies. Well, and uh, you'll get, you'll have to watch all of them. Um, can't, can't uh, wait. Right. Uh, also, I do want to call out that. Uh, so we, we just talked about Spider-Verse last week and uh, the voice of Miles mother was uh, voiced by Luna Lauren Velez, who shows up in this movie. Also a Puerto Rican mother in New York City, who is uh, the mother of the Anthony Ramos character. So I was like, oh, 
she she's a bit typecast, isn't she? <laughs> like they just kind of like, all right, we need somebody to be. Uh, she only has like I think one line <laughs> in the movie or something, or like like one scene. Um, but still, still nice to see her uh, pop up. Excited to see where she shows up in the flesh. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, she's uh, yeah Ezra Miller's character's mother for some reason. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, we will be talking about Out of the Flash next week, and uh, that that is that's another movie that I, I'm. It, it seems like we are just between this that and like Transformers. We're just we're going back in time so much of like okay, things you recognize, the movie. And uh, that, that's sort of teasing something that's revealed in the Flash trailer that it's going to be more than just a Flash movie. It's going to tie into characters from comic book movies from, mm. let's just say, the old days. Mm. <laughs> there, are, In fact, there are a couple of things that happened in that movie that I genuinely sat there and I was like, ooh, this is going to make Will angry because it's going to be something that I think he'll want to love, but he won't. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, that's all I had for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. It's in theaters. And uh, do you think this one is going to like, do you think this one's going to be successful enough for them to keep moving forward with their plans? Like keep making Transformers movies kind of similar to this. Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I, it sounds like it's exceeding their initial expectations. I guess it'll just depend on what the word of mouth is and how it continues to do for the weeks to follow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I know between us, our expectations were fairly low. I was kind of forgetting this movie was coming out. I think even when we were doing our own little like private summer movie wager list, we both had this movie in the, um, like, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, um, the dark horse, dark horses. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think I had it in the top 10. Oh, really? I, oh. I know. I, I had a dark horse as far as like, I was just like, I don't know. I mean, do people really care about transformers? I feel like Bumblebee kind of underperformed, uh, financially. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it might justify. I mean, I think they they're hoping that if it does well enough, and that there's, you know, like like I said, the reviews are better than they expected. If audiences are responding to it, that would suggest they they have the means to do a sequel. But I really don't want to think about it because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, did, I actually I did have in the dark horses like you did. So hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think we might be wrong about that. It might it might do better than we're expecting. Um, yeah, we'll see. But uh, right now, I mean, a lot of the movies that we have in our top tens are already on the leaderboards, and um, I would say so far it looks like Spider Man Across the Spider Verse pretty soon is going to go past The Little Mermaid, uh, which is at number two. Guardians of the Galaxy oh, yeah. Volume Three is still number one, but it's slowed down significantly, obviously. Remember, and so. Uh, Remember when you were like, oh, yeah, Little Mermaid, that's going to be the highest grossing film of the summer. Well, you I, have I, I thought it would. And, and look, it still could. It's still, you know, it's not having huge <laughs> drops. What? No, I, I, I admire your optimism is what I'm trying to say. Well, it's number two right now. Um, and it could go past Guardians of the Galaxy. That's certainly within uh, the realm, not just possibility. I think especially after seeing Elemental. And uh, I think Elemental is going to be the big miss for me because I predicted that might be number three. I think yeah. Elemental is going to be way down. Um, oh, yeah. That's, that's, which, I think I had that like number nine or ten or something. Yeah, I, a, I a lot of people were, were lower on it than I was. I just I thought it was like, if it's good and it's like a big animated movie with like really good reviews, I, I was banking on that. And hmm. I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Um, but no, I, I understand. Know, yeah. Um, I think that at this point it's looking like Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse will be the number one. 
of the year. I think it'll get past Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I don't think anything else is going to touch it. Again, I, I, I'm i going to wait for Barbie. That's uh, I'm, I'm, I put my chips on that one. I think I was a little foolhardy. I feel foolhardy. like Barbie's your elemental, because I, I do not see that being <laughs> nearly as successful as you think. Well, we'll find out in a month. Uh, but uh, I was a little foolhardy. I think I, I had Indiana Jones at like number two or something. I was just like, you know. But that one, I mean, granted, the movie hasn't come out yet. But, yeah, we'll uh, see. We'll see. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll be, I'll be yeah. seeing Indiana Jones uh, this Thursday. Um, I'll also be seeing Asteroid City in a couple of hours. Oh, me too. And, uh, Asteroid City will probably be the one that uh, is number one, right? Number one or number mm. two, maybe. The maybe so. If only, if only. <laughs> um, but I did want to say, as far as Transformers Rise of the Beast is concerned, I didn't really get a chance to mention it. Uh, in my written review, but I, I do kind of admire the uh, the simplicity of the uh, animal transformers. Yeah. Uh, like they don't really transform. Uh, they you didn't know, in the show either. Okay, I just think it's funny. Just like, what if one of them was uh, a falcon, and one of them was a gorilla, and one yeah, of them was? <laughs> I mean. That's why I liked Beast Wars. Beast Wars was really a really fun show to grow up on. Um, uh, in fact, I felt I felt a little something when uh, you know something happens to one of them, and I was just like, "Oh man, oh ah, ow." I yeah, I should have said the opening scene for me is probably the closest outside of the ending to the cartoon, just because of how like kind of like goofy that opening, yeah. the cold open is, and it's I love so it. Dramatic, <laughs> uh, and I think uh, isn't one of them called Ape Lincoln? Uh, I don't think so. But. Oh, I thought the I thought the one friend was called Abe Lincoln. It's not mm-hmm. like Abe Lincoln. Uh, instead of Abe Lincoln, like a, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, but, I don't know where that came from. If if it is, and I I completely miss that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no Nevertheless, um, I don't know. That 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 opening gave me the false hope. Like, yeah, you know, maybe this movie will work out. And I kind of checked out shortly thereafter. Yeah. Well, you know, the beast were characters they're, they're not in a lot of this movie they, they are more toward like the second half but yeah a lot of this movie they're not even part of uh, but you know i i don't find that as big of a deal all right let's play the rotten tomatoes game and then we'll we'll end with like a quick little like i just want to bring up one thing that's spoilery about the movie but first the rotten tomato score we have 161 reviews counted will uh what do you what do you think of the critic scores right now on the rotten tomatoes tomato meter so I, I was looking it up. I think actually Ape Lincoln was uh, from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, At least you weren't like completely making that up out of nowhere. No. Um, in any case, uh, I think it seems like the vibe I'm getting from this one, at least from critics, is like people are like, you know, a little bit more in the vein of the 2007 one where I think that one got like a 62% or something. Like not super positive but by transformer standards it's like outside of bumblebee it's like oh wow like this is like a tornado force uh i think yeah, it's kind of bumblebee is a big outlier for right. transformers movies and in, in the sense that yeah i think to this day it's like in the like low 90s i think it puts the median of the franchise like much higher just on its own uh score but uh yeah i think this one the vibe i'm getting is that like it's probably like 65%? Not 65. You're uh, quite a bit off. Oh, okay. Um, it's in the 50s. So oh, I'll give okay. you that. Um, one more guess. One more guess. Is it like 54%? Even closer. Uh, 53%. Mm. 53, okay. 
And so when you compare that to the rest of the Transformers movies, that's the um, it's just a little bit lower than the first Transformers, which before Bumblebee was the highest. Uh, so Transformers was 57 percent, uh, the 2007. And then uh, Revenge of the Fallen, though, uh, talk about a fall. Uh, it was 20%. Dark of the Moon saw a big bump to 35%. Oh, wow. And big then, bump. yeah, but then Age of Extinction went all the way down to 18. Mm. The last night went even further down to 16. Yeah. <laughs> so the movies were on quite a decline. And then you have Bumblebee, which is 91%. And uh, funny enough, though, uh, Bumblebee only has a 74% audience score, uh, which. I'm a little bit surprised by it, but I guess not shocked. Again, I think it just comes down to, I think the reason, I mean, you know, it is a better film than the Michael Bay films. Uh, but also I think it was just critics expectations were probably in the dumps and they were like, Oh, this is a movie that has some competent direction and like copies and so the formula went out to go see it. Cause we didn't right. screen it. And then we we were like, some of the audiences were like, Oh, this is not nearly as good as we right. were sort of. Yeah, expecting yeah. then. Uh, on that note, then Rise of the Beast. What do you think the audience score for this one is? Uh, I think the audience score is going to be higher than I think than uh, the critics. Like just based on my audience, it seemed like they were really responding to it. Um, I'm going to say sixty-seven percent. Much higher. Okay, much higher. Yeah. So right now I'm thinking uh, wrong score. Uh, I'm going to say eighty-two percent. Higher still. It's 91%. I think this is the highest audience score for any Transformers movie. Hmm. Uh, Because the first Transformers, the audience score is 85%. And uh, I haven't checked all of them, but I I don't think any of them are going to get higher than that. Um, So, yeah. uh, And I get it. Because I do think that, um, again, I think it's an expectations (laughs) thing. I think people are sort of like, oh, this is actually like better than I kind of would have expected. And so I think their audiences are getting what they want um, from this movie. It sounds like they just wanted their oatmeal without any salt or any substance. They just wanted plain oatmeal as, as, you know, in the packet and ready to go in the bowl as possible. And they're like, sometimes, yeah, but they, I think the studio put some cranberries in there and I was like, yeah, this works. Uh, Okay. Cinema score. Uh, what about this one? Do you think this is uh, going to be similar to the audience score or maybe a departure? What do you think? Uh, so this is East said cinema score? This is the cinema score for, yes, Rise of the Beast. Mm, this is an interesting one. Um, my heart says B. It's higher. This okay. is not your week. No, it's not. <laughs> this is an A minus. Yeah, wow, you're, you're, okay, much higher. Your finger is not on the pulse for Transformers. No. Maybe you'll find better luck on the... Uh, the letterbox rating. How about mm. that? So on letterbox, we have 36,000 watches, uh, kind of low, um, compared to some other movies we talked about at this scale. Um, but what about the average rating? What do you think? Well, my confidence has been shaken, but nevertheless, <laughs> uh, time low. Yeah. But nevertheless, um, my gut saying, and I, I know I shouldn't trust it this week, but nevertheless, it is, uh, saying 3.2. That, I'm glad you always listen to your gut because you're very, mm. very close. 3.1, okay. close as you've been <laughs> on your first guess. Yeah, 3.1. And and I'm seeing a mix of scores. Like I'm seeing a lot of low scores. But again, I think this is one of those movies like I'm seeing, you know, Charlie Richley, friend of the show, yeah. gave it three stars. You know, uh, I'm seeing Aaron Dicer, though, a uh, friend of the show, gave it two. Ryan Oliver gave it two. Uh, Clint Worthington gave it two. But then Matt Donato gave it three. So I think like critics, like there are, I think there are enough critics who are being nice to it. Um, 
not a lot of over the moon responses, but uh, over the dark of the moon. Yeah, um, but I it. think there, I think there are a lot of like you know everyday sort of letterbox users who are kind of pumping up the score a bit. So, yeah, yeah I mean, makes sense. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I think it's a pretty cut and dry dull film. But if you, I mean, if you like Transformers and you, you just want Transformers. something, and you just want something. <laughs> By the books, basic with the characters you love. I mean, yeah. But what if you don't just like Transformers? What if you also like, and here is our spoiler uh, warning. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking about Elemental and The Flash. Uh, yeah. Uh, either all in one or we might do uh, two <laughs> episodes. Like, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll start. We'll do like an episode. What if we did that where it's like, it's a whole episode, but we keep like going back and forth, talk like elemental. Then we talk about the flash elemental, then the flash. I would probably just have a migraine. For right. Me. <laughs> um, but no, we'll be talking about elemental and the flash. I've seen both movies, but you haven't yet. And uh, I'm genuinely, genuinely have no idea how you're going to respond exactly to either movie, but mm. transformers rise of the beast. We're going to spoil it now. So at the end of transformers, uh, there's this like extended scene where Anthony Ramos, who has become like, he gets to be like a transformer at one point. It when you said it's like, oh, this movie doesn't get that cartoonish. I was like, really? <laughs> well, I said cartoonish until the end. I said until the end. All right, all right. But yeah, he basically becomes a Power Ranger, uh, yes. essentially. Um, but anyway, uh, he he gets recruited at the very end by a character played by uh, I forget the actor's name, but he plays uh, one of the characters from House of Cards, right. uh, Stamper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the the whole construction of the scene, I'm like, okay, we're probably leading into like the next, the 2000s, right? So then we're probably going to get like the level seven. I was expecting like, was John Turturro going to show up? But no, the movie surprised me. I think it surprised everybody. Um, everybody in the audience, and I will say there was about seven people in the audience for this movie. I saw it at a public screening and there were like genuinely, I think seven people tops, but there was like an audible reaction when it was revealed that this is tying in now with G.I. Joe. And uh, it looks like they're going to do another G.I. Joe movie. Uh, Snake Eyes uh, did not tank the G.I. Joe uh, cinematic universe that I think Hasbro and Paramount want to do. But <laughs> I think they're going to go for let's merge these things. Let's have Transformers and G.I. Joe in the same movie. But then we'll probably get like a G.I. Joe, Joe movie again. It'll probably take place in the 90s. But it'll probably be more like the cartoon than previous entries. And then they're probably going to try to do some sort of like Transformers and G.I. Joe, you know, save the Twin Towers. That's my guess. In 2001. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, for one, the actor's name is Michael Kelly. Uh, and I was very happy to see him because it's been a little bit. But I felt a little bad because the way they were framing that shot where like, you only see his hands, you only hear his voice, and they see, like, his shoulders and stuff. Like, I was mm -hmm. expecting, like, a big cameo. Like, I was expecting, like, you know, like, yeah. like an Oscar nominee Colin or something. Farrell, like, yeah. Well, not even him, but like, like a step, like, I'm trying to think like, um, like obviously not like an Alec Baldwin, but like an Alec Baldwin type, like John obviously, Price. <laughs> well, I mean like, you know, cause like, uh, it's obviously mimicking the like, Nick, he's like Nick Fury for this, uh, potential cinematic universe that they're building. He's probably more of like their Coulson. Sure. Whatever. In any case, I thought the way of framing it and building it was like, oh, it's going to be like, like who they get for this? And it's like, oh, Michael Kelly. Like, I was happy to see him, but it's also kind of like, like, I don't know, like the average person, like, I don't know if they're supposed to like, like applaud or something. Cause it's like, <laughs> I think that's the thing is like, nobody reacted to that. I think the big applause came with the G.I. Joe sure. thing, which, which, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? 
whatever. Who cares? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it seems, like you said, pretty evident that they're going to do some sort of Power Rangers, Transformers crossover, which could be fun. Who knows? Power Rangers 2. Uh, uh, it's established in this that Power Rangers is like a TV show. So how could they even? Well, you know, maybe they were like, it, it, this cartoon show is based off of these. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Power Rangers is Saban. I, I don't oh, think that's a bond. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, I yeah. like your gumption. <laughs> if there was uh, some sort of like meta Power Rangers thing, or it's like it is a show, but then they become real or something. I, yeah. What else is under the Hasbro uh, label? Let's see. Um, Hasbro cartoons that could be movies. I'll, I'll Google that. We have Peppa Pig. That's <laughs> a person. Oh, yeah. We're going to put Peppa Pig into this. All right. My Little Pony GoBots. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. GoBots, yeah, to be sure. Sure. I, <laughs> genuinely, well, these are just the ones that have been turned into movies. And then mm. uh, we have like some directed video Beyblade, uh, Candyland. Uh, sorry, well, I, I feel like this well is not as uh, fruitful as uh, you were hoping. <laughs> I'm not seeing much. I mean,. Um, it's not what I'm hoping. I mean, I just, I mean, maybe it's only supposed to be that GI Joe thing. I don't know, but um, I mean, there's probably a bunch. Of, I'm just looking at stuff that's already been turned into movies. Now I'm looking at like the toys. Like there is Flubber. Uh, oh, nice. I, I like to see. Flubber. Oh, you know what? There's Fortnite, and uh, that's sure. technically Hasbro has some like uh, merchandising they do for that. But like Hasbro has a lot of like merchandising. They do have merchandising for Power Rangers. I see here. So I don't know. We'll see Battleship. Yeah. We could we could do another battleship movie. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. My eyes are drooping. I just like no. This sounds very exciting to me. It's you feel just like, like you're the guy in the boardroom who's probably looking at this like chart on the whiteboard. It's like, why do I yeah. have this job? Yeah, like what <laughs> what are we doing here? I mean, you know, I mean, if it gets people excited, I'm not trying to take away their enthusiasm. But I mean, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. Let's go watch uh, Asteroid City. Asteroid City, yeah, and that's going to be hopefully a film. <laughs> Yeah. All right, we'll see you all next week. Uh, from the Internet California, I'm John Negroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Lash. Cinemaholics, roll out. <laughs>